Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In this series called Testify, it's really all about sharing our story. And man, I'm telling you, this week as you guys um, sent in some of your testimonies at mystory at ourdestinychurch.com, uh, I want those of you who haven't to consider sending that in. I'm telling you what, man, there's some stuff that uh, you guys shared that I had no clue that that was a part of your life. So it was kind of like, whoa, I can't even imagine you at that place. And then there are some people, like I remember, uh, Hunter, you were literally the first one. You win the first uh, to ring the bell on the testimonies. Like, uh, just real quick. Uh, Shay, grab that mic for him, and I want you to come just briefly, and you got to come to get, get you on for all of our online viewers. I want you to share the testimony, man, because that is powerful. Come right there. Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm Hunter. Hey, Hunter. Um, so I went recently to the worship school at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and, um, and when I was there, I went... Through some series of events, just God telling me what to do, I ended up sitting in front of their church and, and recording a song that I had wrote that morning. And then I look up and all these people are coming in and out of the church and I said, well, what's going on? So I go up there, turns out they're having a healing room where they just pray for healing for people. And I've had back and stomach and migraines problems for over 20 years. It, like sometimes I can't walk and it's been pretty bad. So I went and got prayer, and I didn't really feel any better, but we went into the next room to talk about what their healing ministry is, and another lady said that she hadn't gotten healing for not being able to bear children. And so I just began to see myself singing over this lady's womb, and I said, well, that's kind of crazy. And the more I thought about it, the more, the more my back was not hurting, because it was hurting pretty bad that, base, that day. So the more I thought about it, the less my back was uh, stiff and feeling pain. So afterwards, I talked to the teacher and I said, you think I should go sing over this lady's womb? And he said, he said, yeah, go ahead. And so I ran down the hallway and I stood in front of their little coffee shop and I said, this is really weird, but can I put my hand on your belly and sing over your womb? Come on. And so I did it. And... I'm telling you, from that moment, I have had no back problems, Come and this on. has been almost, Jesus. it's been a month and a half. I went later that day, and I did an 800-stair cavern tour, which would have normally had me bedridden, but I was totally fine. That two days, awesome. two, hold on, two days, it gets better. <laughs> two days after that, my daughter that's been homeless, and she's been in jail, she's been on drugs, Two days later, she got saved sitting in her cell, sitting by herself. Come on, man. No, no Praise preacher. God. Yeah. And she's prophesying over me and my family. And she is, um, she's just a changed person. And yesterday, we, we got to see her for the first time in three and a half years. And so, Come on. yeah, it's real. Wow. Do that, what God tells awesome, you to do. It? That's the isn't point. It, isn't it? That is super cool. Hey, Snow White, come on down. Uh <laughs> Doug, you'll understand what I mean when I say that. 
so Doug is our shofar guy. He's the, he's the guy that everybody thinks, you know, why, are, why do we have that shofar blowing? Listen, I'm just telling you, it's just a form of praise. It might yes. be weird to you. And, uh, you know, you don't see people blowing shofars. You don't see people waving flags except at football games. We're always okay with that, right? We're okay with the air horns. We're, all, we're okay with air horns at football games. Why can't we have a shofar? Because it's a biblical form. You know what I'm saying? Dude, the reason I call him Snow White, let me get into the light, man. Let me look, just look at you real quick. Do you have any red on you? Yeah. A little bit? Wow. Wow. Okay. Is that it? Like, is there more? Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Um, All if, your pretty parts are if you white. See if you look. Uh -huh. See the white. So the reason I'm just bugging on uh, uh, Doug, Doug, I want you to give a little bit of testimony. So just tell them a little bit. Explain what I'm not explaining. Okay. Um, just to give a background. Now it's been um, two months ago. It's been eight weeks that I burned my toe. Um, through the process, about two and a half weeks later, I had infection in my leg and it was swollen. Um, started, went to the doctor, started um, medication. Um, not this not this past Friday, but the, a week ago, I woke up that morning and my leg had new red on it. Um, it got, each day progressed and it, it moved from my leg and started on my body to the point that Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, um, I got up and we got dressed to come to church, but made the decision on the way here to go to the hospital. And I spent from Sunday morning until Thursday afternoon at the hospital and my whole body turned, just became to the point it's, it's like it's burnt. But the thing that was about the whole thing was people would come nurses and people, doctors would see me in the hall when they were taking me to get another test or whatever. And the way I looked, it was like there was great sympathy in their eyes because the, the nurses kept saying, I don't understand why you're not in great pain. But through it all, what should have been a complete miserable moment yeah, for yeah. me, days. I had to see it to believe it. I had no pain. Come on, man. Nothing. Praise you, Jesus. Nothing but the glory of God all over me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so. So, Doug, when, whenever I walked in the hospital, I didn't really know what I was coming to see. I just knew that you had some rash issue. He's laying there, man, and... Um, like, uh, it looked like his whole body was covered in poison oak. You know how it just, you just itchy red? And like, you know, I'm wondering, does it itch? Like his body's just a flaming inferno. It's so hot. 
And man, Doug, he's just calm, cool, and collected, you know. And I'm telling you, that in itself was, an, was, was a testimony to the people that came in at just, you know, the hand of God on his life. If you suffer from diabetes, I want you to stand uh, in the room if you're able to. If you have diabetes, I want you to stand. All right? So right now, in the name of Jesus, I curse the sickness of diabetes. I curse the sickness of diabetes. That whatever benefits, and believe me, the enemy does offer some benefits uh, from that uh, at times. And we buy into just living with that. We say no to that. We say no to that in Jesus' name. And I just say no. And we curse the diabetes in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the diabetes in Jesus' name. We just command it to go. We don't negotiate with it. We just say, be gone in Jesus' name right now. Amen. And we expect a manifestation of God's goodness in our collective faith. Amen. Amen? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, you can be seated. All right, so start looking for, for things. Guys, I'm telling you, I know people who have had type 3 diabetes. I think that's right, right? There's two. All right, the two's the worst one or one? Anyway, the worst one, he uh, just changed his diet some, and he, his diabetes went totally away. And I believe God healed him uh, from, from that just by, you know, yeah. faith and making right choices. Yes. What were you going to say? The only other thing I was going to say is that one of the things that has bothered me the most about all of this mm -hmm. is that it burnt my lips. Yeah. And when I came here this morning, Satan was telling me that I couldn't blow the shofar. Wow, come on. And so in it's your like, face, Satan. Absolutely. You That's can give that teacher. In your face. Amen. El Diablo. Amen. So um, I don't know about you. I don't I'm not a fan of tests. Uh, what I, I'm not a fan of tests, tests like in school and everything. Um, I had some professors in school that man that I love the way that they gave tests, and they're like uh, these are the kind of tests I like. I like, list the four laws of whatever. Man, I'll regurgitate that stuff out, and I pass those tests with flying colors. But we, we have, uh, we, or we had a professor in uh, college, and Shay and I went to the same Bible college. Um, it was a you know, liberal arts uh, school, but it was Christian. And so I'm studying for the ministry, and everybody that goes to this school gets a, a minor in religion. So uh, in the class, Dr. Simmons, uh, Michaela, was he there when you were there? Like, I'm telling you, that man, I've met him years later and at, as an ex-student of the college, and he was so nice. But in school, he was just a jerk. And this is, I'm not exaggerating this. I promise you, Shay can verify this. We would take tests, and I think Shay and I had Romans and Galatians. Did I not let you take Romans and Galatians with me? Okay. So we took First and Second Corinthians, but he also taught Romans and Galatians. And so in our First and Second Corinthian class, so we're taking the test, and this is how his tests were. And it would be multiple choice. 
Easy peasy, right? Easy. But here's how his tests were. A, and this is what A would be like. A would be a paragraph. Explain the eschatological ramifications of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 as opposed to 1 Corinthians, you know, 24, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like after I just read A, I'm confused. <laughs> B is the same thing. C is the same thing. D is the same thing. That long, there's, there's four right there you have to choose from. Then, so A, B, C, D are paragraphs. E is A and B. Uh, A, B, C, D, E, F. Y'all see why I failed it, right? F is B and D. Or G or Z or wherever we went to was none of the above. And I'm like, dude, I could not take those tests. So I would get my tests back and I would make like 40. And I'm studying to be in ministry. Shay is studying communications and she gets her tests back and she's like, she made 100. And she got the 20 extra bonus points, you know. And so I, it would infuriate me. Now remember, I think we're in our first year of marriage, I think. It might have been our second year. So, like, you know, man, this dude, he's testing my marriage out. And I was so angry at this dude. We would turn in tests, all right, or not tests. We would turn in um, our papers. And the papers that we would turn in, you know, you write these things. And, like, ugh, who likes to do papers? Anybody that likes to do papers in college or university or graduate school, you're just a nerd. Like, go ahead and admit it. Own it. But... I, I, I put my heart and soul into these papers. And, you know, that's back in the day. I don't know how they do it now, but you had to do all of the footnotes and everything. And so I get my test back, and I mean, um, or, or paper, and I would get like a B on it, maybe a C. And Shay would get hers, and she's got like A plus, incredible job, wonderful, you know. <laughs> I would get mine, and I'm flipping through it, and I'm like, what? What? And I would see his notes, and he said, for the correct format of your footnoting, see your wife's paper. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. What a schmuck. And I said, you're not going to take any more classes with me. Not in my major. Thank God you took chemistry with me. Thank you for saving my soul. Uh, but, dude, I don't do well at tests like that. I don't do well at tests like that. But I feel like I do fairly well at life tests. I failed them now. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like I do fairly well. And as I, you know, I'm, I'm in tribe 55 now, you know. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm in that tribe, and so I feel like as I've gotten older, I have, um, I've mastered, I don't say that arrogantly, I've mastered some of the tests that I've been through so that as I get those tests now, they don't freak me out as much. They used to freak me out. They don't freak me out. I don't fumble the ball like I used to fumble it back then. So everybody's going to go through tests. Uh, we all go through those, and 
in this series, we're talking about testimony, and just as a good ground rule, a baseline for us, a testimony is the story of how God stepped in and changed me through his son, Jesus Christ. If he hasn't changed you, I hope that, you know, today, throughout this, or sometime in the future, that you allow the Lord to step into your life and, and change it. We all have stories of where we were, where we are now, and where we're going. And so today, as I talk to you, I really want to talk to you about how our tests is what produces our testimonies. Like everybody wants a testimony, but I'm like, man, have you been tried? You know, people don't come giving me child advice until you spit one out. You know, don't, don't come giving me kid advice until you've had a, ch a child of your own. Um, you know, I, I had a guy one time and he was giving me some marriage advice and I just, we're friends. Okay. We're friends. And I said, Hey bro, I said, uh, I don't need any marriage advice from you except what not to do. Cause I said, you're on number four. And, uh, and, and that one didn't even work out. Like you've been through four. And I said, you know, of course I could say that joking back and forth with him, but I'm like, until you've been successful, until you've passed the test, don't come trying to give me any advice on how to be successful. Give me some advice on how to not be successful and I'll not do that stuff, which in a way, I guess, uh, is a, a way of giving you some, some good advice. Look at this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse uh, 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that are, you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials, that they make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it has been revealed to all the world. Like, this scripture is telling us, don't freak out and don't be surprised. As believers, we should expect trials. You are going to have trials. You are going to have tests. In the kingdom, nobody, listen to me, in the kingdom, believers, nobody gets to fail a test in the kingdom. If you fail it, you have to take the same test. And you're going to keep taking the same test over and over and over again until you pass it. So just pass it. So that you can move on, because there will be another test. I hated in class when the teacher was, you know, we were just having fun. We were just talking about current events or whatever. And all of a sudden, he or she would say, and by the way, there will be a test. Oh, you know, there will be tests. They're going to come. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked when the fiery trials come. They're going to come. And this is what I think if we could get as believers. See, we, this is truly what we think. And I don't know where this theology came in. I don't know where this doctrine came into the church. I don't know where this teaching originated. But somewhere it originated that when we become Christians... That everything is prosperous. It doesn't mean it can't be prosperous. That everything is uh, honky-dory and, you know, rose-colored glasses and easy-breezy and we never have any issues. That could not be further from the truth. All you have to do is look at the first century apostles, the foundational apostles, and see. Like, man, the majority of them were put to death. Like, they loved their lives. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto the death. In other words, like, they're willing to die. 
And so God is looking for those kind of worshipers. He's looking for those kind of believers. And in our world, we want to be test and trial free. And here, like, it's not going to happen. Well, I'm just giving this Christian thing up. Hey, just a word of caution. We'll read it here in just a minute. I don't know if it's up on the screen yet. But um, there it is. The Lord tests, what does it say? The righteous and the wicked. Like, hey, you're going to get tests if you're a believer. You're going to get tests if you're not a believer. They're going to come. All right? So um, as we look at these, here's one more. God blesses those who patiently endure testing. Listen, there's a reward that comes with the test. He blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, meaning after you've passed the test, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised those who love him. Listen, the crown of life there is not eternal life in this verse. It's not talking about a crown of life, eternal life. What that is, it's got the, the Greek word there uh, for crown is more like a laurel, like the, the Greeks would wear the uh, the laurels on their hair. So it's, it's basically like you've won an Olympiad. You've won a race. You've won a prize. You've won a trophy. There's a reward that is immediate, not far off like heaven. There's an immediate reward when we pass these tests. And I don't know if you know these guys. Anybody know these guys? <laughs> like, man... I used to love watching these documentaries of all of this stuff. Like, all of these guys that are going through this, these, these dummies. Like, I feel like these dummies. Like, have you ever felt that you're in a constant state of testing? Like, come on, God. Has anybody had these conversations with the Lord like I've had? God, how much more? God, I can't take any more. God, I know what the word says. It doesn't seem to be accurate. I don't know if you've ever had these conversations with God. Like, God, I know what the word says. It doesn't seem like it's true. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 14, 15, all, all around there, it says that he'll not place on us more than we're able to bear, and he'll provide a way of escape and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, God. I think, like, I'm at the breaking point. Anybody ever been there before? It's like, God, could you hold up? Could you give me a, br a, a breather? Like, could I just take a break for a second? I just, wanna, I, ju I just want you to know, man, God knows you. God knows you. He knows what your limits are. He knows what your, what your uh, barrance is. He knows what your weight limit is. He knows uh, what you are made of. Here's the thing. The enemy doesn't. So God's going to test you. The enemy's also going to test you. Sometimes God lets the enemy test us. That's biblical. We find that in Job chapter 1. All right? But here's the deal. Like God in 1 Corinthians 10, that 13 and following, he says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to limit the amount of testing that you can have based upon. But even if you get to the point that you can't take it, I'm going to provide a way of escape. You might not take the escape route, but he'll provide a way of escape. And so I want to give you five testimonies uh, or testimony-producing tests real quick that every one of us are going to go through. All right, It does not mean that there are not other tests. These are just five that I've come up with. All right, So these are five testimony-producing tests because out of our tests... 
That's where the testimony comes from. Number one is the patience test. I've heard people say, man, I ain't going to pray for patience because patience worketh tribulation. Patience brings problems with it. It's like, listen, dude, problems are going to come. The world is looking for people like Doug, that when problems come, that there's a calmness, there's a peace, there's a faith that God is still in control, that God has not abandoned them. Many of you know uh, one of our former worship leaders, Quentin and Sierra, and I use them a lot uh, as uh, sons and daughters of this house when they lost their first child. And I walked into the hospital and I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't even understand how you are where you are in the right state of mind right now. But it's because of their dependence on God, their solid foundation that they had built. So the patience test, this produces endurance. This produces steadfastness. And so the patience test, look at this in James chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4 says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, he's speaking to believers. When troubles of any kind, troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It doesn't mean it will grow. It means that when you're tested, your faith has an opportunity to grow endurance. And so he says, so let it grow up for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and you'll need nothing. Doesn't mean that you won't need Christ. It means that you won't need anything for this test anymore because you've accomplished it. You've got all the skills. Like when that test comes again, You shouldn't need a refresher course. You shouldn't need to know how to boil an egg. Once you've learned to boil an egg, you don't forget that. You just know how to do that. It's from rote memory. There are going to come trials in your life that you aren't going to know how to handle it. But if you're patient and you let God work you through that, that you'll get the skills for when that test comes up, the next time you won't need anything. You won't need to call anybody and, and let them coach you through it. You won't need to be called and encouraged because you've already been there before. You know, you know what to do. Every person's patience is going to be tested. Whatever you do, don't make the same mistakes that people like Abraham in the scripture made. I've almost made that mistake where I tried to force something to happen. Anybody like to force God on things? Why? Because we want it so badly. I remember the first job that I went to interview at as a a, a young youth pastor. Man, I wanted that job so bad I could taste it. And I didn't get the job. I was so disappointed. I thought I was a shoe-in, man, because we sort of knew the pastor and his wife, had some family connections and everything like that. Listen, God don't care about your family connections. God, if it ain't part of his plan for you, if he wants something else for you or to protect you for something, he'll shut doors. Why? Because our paths are ordered by the Lord. If we're following him, like he's not going to open up doors that we shouldn't go down unless there's a reason for it. That shut down. Shay and I didn't get to go there. And a few years later, I knew the guy who uh, had gotten my place. Uh, (laughs) It was my place! (laughs) 
I knew the guy who got that spot, okay? I didn't know him personally, but years later, I was able to be introduced to him, and I said, yeah, you the guy that took my job. And he's like, man, you could have had that job. And he begins to tell me, he's like, dude, that was such a bad time for us at that church. And he begins to go into, like, you know, some things that they went through. And I'm like, God, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for protecting me. Don't be an Abraham, man. Don't birth an Ishmael in your life when God's trying to give you an Israel. Come on, come on. Here's the second one, the character test. This one produces integrity. God's going to test your character, and your character is going to be tested. The enemy will test your character too. God will be testing you. The enemy will be testing you. You got to figure out which of these it is. Sometimes we blame the devil for things that God is doing. You know, God will be testing you. God's trying to grow you up in an area, me up in an area. And our character will be tested. Listen, one of the things that I had to learn to do, and uh, I didn't learn this on my own. One time I was in a situation, and I'm like, dude, my character was just being assassinated. Just being assassinated. Now, understand, my character has not been assassinated just once. It's been assassinated a bunch of times. But, man, it was really being assassinated. And I don't know, this is about 20 years ago, 20, no, sorry. Well, anyway, it's not important, but it was a long time ago. All right. And it was just being assassinated. And I'm like, what do we do? What do we do? And Shay and I were talking. And, and, and I just said to Shay, I said, babe, I don't know. The people that really know us, they will understand. The people that don't know and believe, you know, all of that stuff, they don't know us. And they never will. Uh, but I said, the people that know us, they will know that that is not in alignment with who we are. And I had one of my former secretaries. I wasn't, I wasn't at that church anymore. I had one of my former secretaries. She reached out and she gave me a scripture. I don't even know where the scripture is, but it made a huge impact on me. And it said, basically, do not speak a word in your defense. The Lord is your defender. And I'm telling you what? That came at such a perfect time. She's like, I just feel like you need that scripture today. And I'm like, thank you, God, that somebody is hearing you from me today. And so I learned in that time and in that season, like when your character is being assaulted, assailed, uh, don't, don't defend yourself. Let God defend you. He's going he's gonna to attack your character. I'll give you a, a, a real-life example uh, here, too. All right, so just a couple of days ago, I was at Walmart. Uh, at the gas station outside Walmart, and I pull up, and I get my card out. I'm fixing to uh, get some gas, and I look at it, and, and I'm like, uh, it just says pick up the pump and start. Thank you, Jesus. Just pick up and start pumping. They're giving away free gas, man. And it's like, it says it's prepaid. Thank you, Father God. I feel like speaking in tongues right here. And, you know, and so I'm like, immediately, you know, I'm like, I didn't pay for this gas, you know, nobody's going to know if I pump this gas and drive away, uh, and it was $33, you know, I don't know what the significance of that is, but, you know, it was $33 of prepaid gas, and so I'm like, I don't know how this happened, but I just was like, the enemy is like, it's your lucky day, man, 33 bucks of gas and your gas tank is empty, man. Just take it and run with it. And over here, little Jesus is right here. And he's saying, 
you didn't buy that gas. You didn't pay for that gas. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. Here comes this lady. She's walking out that works there. And I said, ma'am, you know, so I go through the whole thing of I didn't buy this gas. Somebody else besides me. I said, I know that if I looked later and I got charged and I didn't pay that gas, somehow I would be upset. And I said, you know, I don't want to create somebody's bad day or whatever. Uh, And, you know, wouldn't it be great if I gave in to that temptation and I took that gas? Wouldn't it be great? Not in a good way. Wouldn't it be great? I'm being ironic here. And all of a sudden, uh, some news station in Mobile is doing a story on that. And your pastor is the one that stole the gas. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's what I'm thinking while I'm at the pump. I'm like, I know they got a uh, something, and my face is going to be on the news. Man, I ain't going to hell for no $33. Like, you know, I ain't going to be no Judas selling my soul for a few gold, uh, uh, silver coins. And so, you know, the, the lady, oh, by the way, as I'm uh, talking to this lady and everything, I walk away, and I just happen to look down, and, and I caught the emblem Destiny Church shirt on, you know. Uh, so, listen, it, it's not just huge tests. It's little tiny tests like that. Like, man, do the right thing because our witness really does matter. Do the right thing. Your character, everybody's going to be tested in their character. Um, Psalm 26 and 2 says, this is, this is David praying this. He says, put me t- on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Like David is saying, you know, bring it, Lord. Now, I don't know if I'm there. <laughs> but, but David is like, Lord, test me. Put me on trial. All right, now that's the guy who killed somebody to sleep with his wife. You know, this is a dude that is like, when it comes to character, now he had the heart of God. He is a man after God's own heart, but he had to develop that character. And that's that guy saying that. But test me, Lord. Like, over time, I want you to test me and prove to me that it's like, God, I am the man who I say I am. So that when I stand before you and when you stand before people, that people will go, I'm just telling you, they're a man of their word. They're a woman of their word. Here's the third one, the forgiveness test. This produces love. This produces love. Guys, I cannot tell you how many people in the body of Christ that do not pass this test. Like, there's bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart. Please don't have that in your heart. Look at what Matthew chapter 6 tells us. I still study this out from time to time, and I don't fully understand this. It's a scary scripture. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't even know fully what that means. Because I know Jesus died for my sins. I'm eternally secure. I'm not going to hell. But if I don't forgive somebody, the scripture says he will not forgive me of my sins. What does that mean? He's not going to retract his salvific uh, act on the cross from me. But what does that mean? I don't have it fully figured out. I just know it's scary because I want the Lord's forgiveness. And I'm telling you what, man, when I go to sleep at night, I sleep like a baby. 
When I go to sleep at night, I don't sleep a lot. I usually sleep about five hours, but that five hours is a good five hours. I mean, I lay down and I'm asleep like just within minutes, and I do not have aught against anybody. Doesn't mean that my character's not assassinated from time to time. It doesn't mean that other people don't have aught against me and those kinds of things. It means that when I go to bed, I need to be able to sing the song, It is well with my soul. Because it's all good with me. I'm telling you, if I miss, it ain't going to be because I'm not a forgiving person. So we're all going to be challenged in times where we're going to have to forgive somebody. You're going to have to forgive the person who sexually assaulted you. You're going to have to forgive the person who habitually beat you down verbally and sometimes physically. You're going to have to forgive the person who ran the stop sign and killed your cousin. You're going to have to forgive in every one of those situations. There's got to be a place of forgiveness because if you do not forgive, it will damn up like stop up the flow of God's presence into your life. All right, so the forgiveness test. Number four, the submission test. It produces humility and servanthood. The submission test. I want you to look at this scripture. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 says, Peter's talking in this time that he's talking. There were literal slaves, so you would be indentured servants, um, and he's talking to those people. He's saying, servants, you must obey your masters and always show respect to them. Do this not only to those who are kind and thoughtful, but also to those who are cruel. So in the context of today, that would be like we would be employees and there would be supervisors or managers over us. And what Paul is saying here, he's saying to, or sorry, what Peter is saying here, he's saying, listen. You are under a leader. Doesn't matter if the leader's a jerk or not. Like, you're not there to, uh, to revolt and have a coup and get him fired and all of that. Like, there, you know, there, there comes a time where, yes, you've got HR. Don't get lost in the illustration, okay? I get it. There's, 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 there's paths for all of that stuff. But when you go in, you submit yourself, you honor the person, and every person, listen, every person needs to pass a submission test. I know that there are parents that your children or you've seen others, and their children are some of the most obnoxious jerks, uh, rebellious and everything, and they learn that in their home. They learn that in their home because you're now receiving. Pastor Wesley talked to us about reaping a harvest and sowing seed. So many times people have sown seed that what their children are seeing is they're seeing disobedience and they're seeing, uh, you know, uh, bad character. And so they grow up after seeing that, and that's what produces fruit. And so it's very important that you show your children how to be submitted to authority. It's so important how to show your children how to, to be um, uh, a servant and not need every little thing that they desire catered to. Sometimes our children need to be told, well, I'm sorry you just didn't make the team this time. I'm sorry you just don't get to play this round. Like, it's not all about you every time. But I'm telling you what, operating in the education field, like I, I had the privilege of working in the public school system for three years. 
but also being in children's ministry for 15 years in youth ministry. I'm telling you what, man, I've seen some parents that'll bust up in there and I'm like, are completely ungodly. When I'm trying to help your kid, I'm trying to teach your kids some respect and show them how to operate in, in, you know, in the spiritual world and the, the physical world. And all you're doing right now is showing them how to buck authority, how to rebel. Every one of us is going to have submission tests and we're going to have to pass. I know you've got a better way of doing it, but you're not in charge. I know you would do it differently but you're not the boss. I know you have a plan, but you don't even have influence there because you've been such a jerk about it. Are you following me? That if we are at peace and if we uh, do a good job and we just submit and that leader sees us in that, then our influence increases and we're able to go in and we're able to say, you know, hey, Tom, could I have just a couple of minutes of your time? Man, not today. Today's not a good day. Okay, I understand. Um, if you do, I got some things I want to run by you. Uh, just some ideas. Thank you so much. And leave it. All right? You just planted a little seed. But what will happen eventually, Tom is going to notice your work ethic. You show up on time. You stay late. You pick up all your tools before you leave. You don't leave the area, you know, all wonky. You come in prepared. Like, in other words, you're submitting and you're building influence. Every one of us is going to have this te test. No leader is ever going to rise to that place without being an incredible follower first. The last one is this, the sacrifice test. This produces generosity and dependence on God. It produces generosity and dependence on God. The sacrifice test. Man, I tell you, I've uh, had this test a lot. Um, look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and 18 says, For it was by faith that Abraham, y'all remember? <laughs> I mentioned him a little bit ago. It was by faith that Abraham had offered Isaac as, as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Who was testing him? God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God uh, had told him that Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be. Uh, counted. Hmm. So there's a prophetic word given. Now I'm being asked to do something that, yeah, that don't even make sense, God. Like you gave me this son, that's where all the blessings are going to come through. That's where all the blessings are going to come through Isaac. All right? And now I'm fixing to kill him? Like I'm fixing to sacrifice him? Now, if we can, in our Western world, uh, mindset get past the fact that he asked him to kill his son you know there's so much symbolism here guys you know Jesus being sacrificed his son da, da, you know there's so much symbolism there but but here's where I want to Abraham is being tested by God just for his obedience like we're sitting here going well God that don't even make sense now like you said that this is going to be my path and I'm but he's 
here he is. Abraham's like, it doesn't make sense, but this is what God said. I'm just going to be obedient, and I'm going to sacrifice what I want. I'm going to sacrifice my way of thinking because this is what Scripture says. There is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right to a man, but in the end, what happens? It leads to death. And the Scripture also tells us, don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lead to, to that, but trust in God, that's where we should trust in him. His ways are higher. Sometimes they don't make sense to us, and we're just going to have to sacrifice. Every one of us is going to make a sacrifice and sacrifices at times, and we're not going to understand it. We're not going to understand why. God told me to go to this place. God, we're not going to understand. I'm going to have to, like... Uh, sacrifice one, my pride on praying over that woman's womb. Just the words coming out of that, my mouth might sound creepy to that woman. I want to pray over your womb, you know. But I, I know you were in a spiritual setting, and, I, and in that sense, we understand that. But, you know, imagine the Lord told you to do that in Walmart, you know. <laughs> I'm singing over your womb. I'm singing over your womb. Customer needs assistance on aisle eight with olives. I'm singing over, you know, like just weird, just weird. You know what I'm saying? But sacrifice my pride, sacrifice my intellect, and just being obedient. I'm telling you what, man, just being obedient. And, and out of that obedience came your healing. And so let me just put these on the screen for you. This is all five of them if you want to take a picture of them. All right. And then... um. And then I want to jump over to Mark chapter uh, 4. And I might want us to jump over to Job chapter 1 too. Go to Psalms and the book right before that. Um, so Mark chapter 4 and Job chapter 1. Uh, in Mark chapter 4, what's happening, Jesus, y'all remember the series that we just came out of, Spiritual Warfare? Jesus has, has just, you know, uh, cast a devil out of, you know, a guy, and now the crowds, they're all leaving, and, and he, or he's leaving the crowd. He's going across the Sea of Galilee to the other side, and, um, and so lots is happening here. The disciples get in the boat. There's a storm that comes up. So that's kind of the context that we're in. In verse 35, chapter 4, okay? Verse 35. Um, As evening came, Jesus and his disciples, he said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, all their although there were other boats that followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping. How many of you know when, boat starts coming, when, when water starts coming into the boat, it is not a good thing? <laughs> uh, so verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples uh, woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care about that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Like, you know, you don't get a, you don't get a sense that it's like, Ooh, that was close. It wasn't that. 
Like they're terrified. They are terrified. Um, the disciples were absolutely terrified. They said, who is this man? They asked each other. And even, even the winds and waves obey him. All right, so real quick. So what happens is, man, they're going across the sea here, which is really a lake. And they're, they're, they're going across. And um, this storm comes up. It's a terrible storm. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm. I've been in a storm that came up like a squall. It came up so fast. And, um, and I would, I, I'm telling you, man, if I did not have people around me, I would have drowned because I was so weak. I couldn't swim. The, it was white capping, and it came up that fast. And if you have ever had thoughts like, you, like man, this is a mess. This is gonna be, it's not going to be pretty until it's over. That's not where I was. I was like, I don't know that I'm going to survive. I don't know that I'm going to survive. And I've been that way twice in water before. And so you start having thoughts of like, dude, this is it. Like, I, I am fixing to die. That's where they were. They were terrified this was such a terrible uh, squall that came up. But when, here's the thing, man. Jesus said, let's get in and go over to the other side. Sometimes we just need to take comfort in the things that God says to us. It's like they didn't really understand. Many times like we don't understand. Jesus said, hey, let's go to the other side. Hey, they never once should have even. They, man, I'm telling you, they should have been in that boat going, wow, this is a that's how they should have been doing because it didn't matter how bad it got. They were going to make it to the other side, but they did not hear and comprehend what Jesus had said. He said, let's go to the other side. Listen, I'm telling you, if Jesus said he'll be with us always, he's going to be with us always. If he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, he's going to be with us in the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't matter what trial comes our way. It doesn't matter what test comes our way. God is our sustainer. He is with us in the middle of all of that. It does not matter how fierce your storm is. God is with us. He was with them right then. But how many times do we feel like he's at the back of our boat, man? And it's like, do you not care? I don't know if y'all have ever been there before. I'm like, God, do you not care? Do you not care? I'm doing everything I can to keep the water out of the boat. I'm doing everything I can to keep this thing afloat and whatever that thing might be. It might be your family. It might be your marriage. It might be the, 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 your kids. It might be your finances. It might be your job or your business. I'm doing everything I can do to keep this afloat. And where is Jesus? He's laying back there snoozing with his head on a pillow, just taking it easy, man. They are terrified. They are terrified. And so in the middle of all of this, that storm is fierce. I'm telling you what, it could have said just a little, little breezy. You know, it got a little, little shaky there. No, dude, it was a fierce storm. The high waves, they were breaking into the boat. And some of you guys have been in places in your life where, man, it's scary. It's scary. You don't know how this is going to turn out because you you didn't really pay attention when he said, let's go to the other side. You didn't pay attention. You didn't hear that part. Oh, it came and you hear all the promises and you've read all the scriptures, but it's being tested right now. What Jesus was doing, man, he was testing. Do you think for a minute 
I'm telling you, man, Jesus, he's a, he's a little sneaky. You cannot tell me that joker is that heavy a sleeper. The boat, it ain't a big boat. It's not Carnival Cruise. This is a, a, a tiny boat. You cannot tell me that joker is back there sleeping. He's probably about to wet himself because he is holding in laughs so hard. He's going. <laughs> he's, he's laying back there and he's going. You cannot tell me, Jesus, so here, here he is. He's testing them. What's happening? They are freaking out. They are freaking out. And Jesus, when he wakes up, he rebukes the storm. He rebukes the storm. And then is what, what, this is what uh, he says to them. Like, why are you guys so afraid? Like, do y'all know who I am? Do you know who you are? Like, I'm training you to be me. Come on, man. He's like, do y'all know who y'all are? Y'all don't even know who I am. How can you know who, who, who y'all are? Y'all don't know who I am. How can you know who you are? If you don't know what I can do, then you don't know what you can do. Come on, this is good. And so what he's waking up and he's saying, why are you terrified? Did, did, you, did you not just see the 5,000 fed? Like, did you not just see? Did you not just see a person that was possessed, healed? Did you not see? Have you not been with me? Where have y'all been? That's why he's, he's saying, why do you not have any faith with everything you have witnessed? Dude, you should be out there going, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, winds or waves, but we got the author of all creation on board. Like, y'all need to calm down. Because if I wake him up, like he, I'm telling you, he was in a different, I guess, form, you could say. But he was at the Red Sea when it dried up. He'll dry y'all up. He'll be like Betty Jean Stewart came in there when I was crying and whining and everything. And she said, boy, you better dry that up. But see, they didn't do that because they hadn't caught it. Jesus is testing them to see where they are. See, what happened is these disciples had gotten lazy. Come on, stay with me, somebody. We're fixing it in. We're fixing it in. The disciples had gotten lazy. We've created, we, pastors, clergy, whoever you want to say, what we've done is we've created a lot of lazy believers, lazy Christians. Why? Because I'm the only one that can do it. God, I hope that's not who I am as a leader. I'm the only one that can do it. I am the only one that can lay my hands because I'm the only one that can pray for you. I'm the only one that can do it. You know, I'm the only one that you can call. I'm the only one, blah, 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 blah. No, we have all authority that he has given to us over the spiritual realm. We have all authority. He even gave us what he calls the keys to the kingdom to loose and bind, loose and bind, loose and bind. We loose things from heaven. We bind things on earth with it. He's given us this authority. And so the authority that Peter and the other disciples had, they didn't even recognize it or use it. 
And they woke Jesus up when they could have done that themselves. They, they were in a test that they could have passed. They had everything they needed, but they had not paid attention. Come on, man, am, am I making sense? They had not paid attention throughout all of their training. And Jesus, he wakes up and he says, why are you afraid? Do you still? Do you still? Do you still? Do you still, after seeing that, do you still, when we were there, do you still, when I sent you out there, do you still have no faith after all of that? Did you not see when we, the, the guy was lowered down through the roof? Did you not see? They did not pass that test. They did not pass that test. But what Jesus was doing is he was saying, listen, You've become comfortable. Listen, this is powerful. You've become comfortable in my presence. But you've become dependent on my performance. Think about this. God, I need you. I need you. And God's like, no, you do not need me. You don't need me. Hear me, church. The Lord is saying, you don't need me. You already have me. But you don't need me for that. Like, you don't need me to go into the hospital room with you, and you don't need me to heal that. You need to take your hand, lay it on that, and the power of the healer that resides in me will heal that. Like, you know, there are certain things we don't need him to show up because we already have power and authority to manifest in those situations. But how many times do we, you know, let these tests and these spiritual attacks, if you will, come against us and it blows us out of the water like it did the disciples. We're terrified. We don't know what to do. And like we're coming to the Lord and it's like, listen, listen. If I could just put my place in the place of Jesus and you guys in the area of disciples, because that's really uh, the reproduction of what this looks like today. Are you following me? Like, I'm, I'm rabbi. You guys are disciples. You guys will be rabbis at some point. You'll have disciples. All right. So as these people come, you know, you, you're here. And I look at that and I go, now I have taught you, whether you were here that Sunday or not, I don't know if you listened online. I don't know if you went back and got the message. Because if you're missing messages in this house, you're going to have chunks of your spiritual development. If you're in this house any length of time, you're going to have chunks of your spiritual development that are not going to be there because you, you will miss something. But I taught you. I taught you how to rebuke spirits. I taught you how to rid yourself of those and take captive those things and cast those out of your life. That's what they were supposed to be doing right there. They were supposed to be casting the tempest out because we got to move to the other side. Now, I'm going to wrap this up right here. And I want you to listen to this. Um, if you go, I'm not going to read it, but if you go into chapter 5, it's like, man, whew, I'm glad this over. I'm glad we woke him up. I'm glad everything is calm again. When they get to shore, does anybody remember what they meet? Anybody? What? The demoniac at Gadara. It's like, oh my God. We just about lost our lives. Everything's cool. All right, guys, let's make it to shore. Come on, somebody fire up the grill. We need to fix some fish or something. And they meet a demon-possessed man. 
Not only did they meet the man, Jesus cast the devil out of them. They killed a bunch of swine because, you know, all the, the devil went into the swine. All the people from the town come out, and it's like, you know, we're going to kill y'all for killing our swine. Like, I mean, come on, man. It's like hanging around Jesus is just dangerous. <laughs> when you, so, so what's the story there? What, what is the story? When we pass one test... There's another test. Hey, if you can take away anything today is that you're constantly going to be tested. You're never going to get to a place where tests stop. Tests stop. One of the songs that we sang uh, this morning, Romans 8, 28. And we know all things that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God's working it out. God's working it out. It's going to work. He's working everything out for good. And you're, you're, you're going to be, at some point, you're going to be complete. But when you're complete, you're no longer needed on this planet. When you're complete, I'm, you're, you're going to translate to heaven somewhere. So say this with me. I'm always going to be tested. I'm always going to be tested. Amen. All right, look at this. Psalm 34, 19 says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue us each time. This is how it says it in the, uh, in the King James Version, which is a little more poetic. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, man... Righteous people are going to face a lot of troubles, a lot of trials. You're going to have a lot of tests. But the Lord comes to the rescue every time, every time. I want to show you how we can put this in uh, to practice today. Number one, I want you to make a list of the lessons that you can or you have learned from your tests. All right? So... I'm not putting these on the screen for you to, like, let me just think about doing that. I'm telling you, if you want to increase in Christ, if you want to grow, you do these things. What are some tests that you've had? Man, I know Shay and I have had some tests. What are some of the lessons that we've learned or can I learn from that test? Because that's going to help. I 
from just the assurance of knowing that our God is God and he's never going to let us fail. He's never going to let us fail. So take authority over your storm. If you don't know how to do that, talk to me and I'm going to refer you to a message of how to cast the enemy out of your life. See, we have created a church that they're wanting me, they're wanting me to fix your problem. You're wanting me to fix your problem. Or you're wanting T.D. Jakes to fix your problem. Or you're wanting somebody else, some big name preacher. When it's like, listen, that is not who needs to fix it. Jesus, and he's given you the authority to say, I will not stand for this. I will not stand for this in my life. I will fight this to the death right here in my life and you take authority over your house your finances your life your health you take authority over it and this is the last thing i'd love to hear some more of your testimonies man if you have some testimonies that you would like to share please share that with us this week at my uh story at ourdestinychurch.com listen we're going to close with a song and i'm not going to ask you to come down and pray over your storm all right, are you following me? I know that sometimes people get disappointed. Man, I just I wish y'all would have had an altar call. I wish you would have prayed over us or whatever. Listen, this is what I'm telling you to do. Stand up on the deck of your ship and you tell the storm to stop it. Stand up and you take authority over your marriage. You stand up and you take authority over your health. You stand up and you take authority over your finances. You stand up and you take authority over that situation that's trying to assassinate your character. And you be still and tell your, your emotions sometimes. You're, you're, it, there's a storm inside of you. And I'm telling you what, there have been times that in myself I, I have had to tell my body, calm down, body. I'm just speaking to my body. Body, you need to calm down. You need, heart rate, you need to get yourself under control. I ain't about to have a heart attack. You need to calm down. Endorphins, you know, stop doing what you're trying to do. You, you calm down. Take authority over your situation. Listen to me. You don't take this in the right way, church. You don't need me to lay hands on you. Take this the right way, church. You don't need Jesus. You already have him. Use that. Use that power to your advantage. God, please show up. In the, he's already in the middle of that situation. Take authority over it in Jesus' name. The battle is his. It's always been his. I want you to stand to your feet. They're going to close us out. This is our benediction today. I want you to lean into the words of this song. There's an anthem in the song. There's a shout. There's a chant in the song. You know, the scripture tells us that it's not by my might. It's not by my power that I overcome. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. It's always been his battle, 
He's fighting with us and through us. Man, I tell you what, whatever your situation you're in, would you let this, sing this over your situation? Some, listen to me, some of you, you have, you're at a place in your life where um, the test has been there for so long, it's not going away. Like it's still there. You've, you, you're okay. You think that it's like, it's just part of who you are now. You just, and so I'm just gonna live with this. So I'm just gonna accept, even though you know you're not supposed to accept it, but it's out of my hands. I propose to you this morning that it's not out of your hands. It's very much in your hands. All authority has been given to you. So pick that problem back up and you say, be still, just be still, calm down in Jesus' name and watch the peace of God. Come on, what I'm basically asking you to do, church, is it's time to grow up, increase in Christ. It's time to grow up into some places in our spiritual life. Let's let this song, man, just minister to us. And uh, at the end of this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray real quick. At the end of this, this is how church ends. At the end of the song, you're gonna tell us, you know, uh, have a great day. Go out and win your battle.